Hello and welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Pastor John Sherrill brings the fifth message in our series, Setting the Table. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family to live a life of fullness and to be devoted to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration, I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Now let's join in with Pastor John Sherrill. Man, welcome to church this morning. If you're new here, welcome home. Can we welcome everybody joining us online this morning? Can you clap and shout for them? Tell them you're glad that they're here today. It's going to be an incredible day. I don't know about you, but my gosh, um, man, the Spirit of God is here today. Amen. And how good is he? What's a powerful song, so many powerful things that we're saying to God. Today is going to be such a good day. Today we have DNA One, and so if you're new with us and you'd love to know about the church, you'd love to know the vision, the values, the culture, just um, how it is that, that, that God wants to use you in, an, in a supernatural, significant way to make a difference in this world, go check out DNA One. It's down that hallway right down there past the bathrooms. It's an LB1 right by the library right after the service. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Also, today is week five in our series called Setting the Table. If you're brand new with us again, or maybe if you forgot your book, we want to put one of these workbooks in your hand. So raise your hand high to the sky. Um, our team has done such a great job putting these together. We want to make sure you have one. If you do not have a book, anybody not have a book, anybody need a book? Let's see. There's one in the back. There's a few of them. Keep that hand up till they bring that book to you, if you will. And we're going to be utilizing that this morning as well. And, and while they're doing that, can we just one more time, can we talk about this for a minute? What an incredible night we had on Friday night, somebody. Come on. Come on. Give them your best for a minute for that. That was, I mean, if you were able to be there, you know just how powerful it was. I mean, the presence of God was literally palpable. Man, when we started into worship, I don't, I, I, I cried to the whole, I kept telling my, you got to get it together, dude. I mean, it was awesome. The, the, the joy, I mean, the atmosphere was literally electric. It was so humbling and so powerful to be able to worship and take communion together at the table right there on that, that very place where our future home is going to sit. It was amazing. Kelly and I were so overwhelmed with the goodness of God and his kindness and his generosity, how he's been just, just providing for us every step of the way as a church. And can I say, wow, church, for those of you who were able to be there um, for those of you who are able to begin to lead the way, God has spoken to you. He said, hey, you, he wanted you to do this over these next two years. I'm going to tell you something, man. Um, we're not going to give you the number yet. Uh, we're going to wait till, till uh, May 1 um, because we want to honor that primary goal of 100% participation, 100% engagement. But I'm going to tell you something. We are blown away and God is on the move. I need you to know that. God is on the move. So we are so excited with that. Um, but, but listen, we still got two more. I got two more sermons, all right? We got today and next week. And so don't, don't disengage, man. Stay plugged in. God is still speaking. Now, speaking of advanced commitment, you heard Pastor Travis tell us our kids are leading the way today um, as we look forward to our commitment Sunday next week, um, which, by the way, I, I, there's a rumor going around that it could be Chick-fil-A Sunday here. I don't know. It's just... It could happen, all right? Chick-fil-A, you know, you can't get, only a declaration can you get Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's the favor of God right there, all right? So um, could be Chick-fil-A Sunday, but we're going to have Commitment Sunday next week. Make sure you're here for that. But today, our kids, um, preschool through students, they're all leading the way, setting the table, um, put, putting that commitment down, saying, this is what we want to do based on our devotion to you, Lord. And so what a privilege it is to be discipling our kids in the area of biblical generosity, knowing 
that God is going to teach them so much through this process, especially in these next few years, just so much about faith. And so, man, let's just, can we celebrate that? We're going to see all that God is calling them to do. We're, they're going to see basically God moving in and through them. Very exciting. So let's give it up for our kids as we dismiss our fifth and sixth graders today. Fifth and sixth grade, you go out. Come on, clap for them. They're going to go have a great time and have Commitment Sunday. Now, again, for those of you who are brand new, you're just joining us, uh, maybe even this is your very first Sunday. This is such an exciting season that you are joining into right now with us. And I'm telling you, listen, um, I'm excited because I'm seeing God do um, some really incredible things here. I mean, um, it's things that I haven't, I mean, I don't know if I've ever experienced God in this way and how he's moving and working right now. And, and we have so much expectation for the days to come. And we hope you sense that. In fact, I hope and pray that you sense the spirit of God so powerful in this room this morning that you are so deeply encouraged already. Amen? I mean, I know our church prays for this, right, church? We pray and we hope that you feel right at home and we wanna invite your family to be a part of all God is doing in this declaration family. Please know we have been praying for you. We pray for those who are not here yet, those that we will one day get the privilege um, to know and call family. So thank you for being here, and we say welcome home. Let's dive in this morning, if you will. Grab your workbook. We're going to be um, actually in your Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will, and um, go ahead and hold your place there. In your workbook, if you want to go to um, page 33, I believe that's where uh, we are going to be today. At week five. Now I'm going to hit some other scripture as well um, as we go today. But the bulk of where we're going to live is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If I'm going to get there. And um, as we consider setting the table through our generosity. Now over the course of the series. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about setting the table with irresistible hospitality. With um, devoted passion. With contagious joy. Um, with sacrificial worship. If you've been here. If you haven't, man, go back and listen to some of those messages. I, I, I pray that they're life-giving for you. So today, let's look at setting the table with radical biblical generosity. And before we do, hopefully the video is going to work for us. I want you to watch this testimony from one of our people, Kristen. Okay, check this out. I'm Kristen Blanchard, and I live here in Spring, Texas, right near the church. I am a single mom of four kids, ages 18, 13, 10, and 9. I have two boys and two girls. They are the absolute joy of my life. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad is um, a pastor and in ministry, so I knew Christ at a very young age. Probably at the age of 22, I kind of veered from going consistently. I'd gone off to college. And so through the years, honestly, I've kind of church hopped. Like I have good friendships with lots of pastors in this area and their wives, but not from a kind of like, we want you to plug in. We want you to experience more, but I just ran from it. I just, I had a lot of hurt from the past. Didn't really want to plug in and be vulnerable and share my life in that at that level with people. And so it had been years since I had actually had a community. Um, I actually don't know if I've ever had a community-like declaration, and I'm so grateful for it. When I walked in, I was in such a broken place. I was desperate for a change in my life and my kids' life, and I was just really wanting more of the Lord. And so 
Obviously, naturally, I noticed that the message, the, the tithe message was not 20 minutes long. Pastor John and or whoever was giving the message was like, just give as the Lord tells you to, just be obedient. And it just felt like we were under like being led by grace. Um, and really it was to increase our faith. Generosity and giving for me is it's scary, honestly. And being a single mom, my finances are minimal. Basically, the Lord is asking me, do you trust me? And are you going to trust me in your finances? And are you gonna have faith over fear? And are you going to walk through this journey and just see me supply more and more so that you can bless more and more people? It's not about giving to get, but I know there's huge blessing in being obedient. So, you know, through this series, I've been like, okay, well, can I really, like the Lord gave me a number. At first I was like, oh, I'm not even gonna pray about this because I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do it. But then pretty often the Holy Spirit's nudging on me. It's like, am I gonna listen? Am I gonna participate? Or am I gonna ignore and try and stay in control? It's really a control issue for me. Like I need to stay in control because what if things, you know, but really that's silly because, you know, contentment truly comes with walking with Jesus and being obedient. So I'm just excited, honestly. It's like, I, I trust him, I do. Um, he has been such a huge provider for us. Like things happen often that are total miracles, right? Where I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this or, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna pay this or, and then a new client comes in or someone drops off food. I am a single mom in the world's eyes, but like I have Jesus, right? So I'm not alone and he, he's with me and he, you know, loves me and sits with me and, you know, when I'm crying and like he's there and he's present and um, in my ugly and in my beautiful, like he's totally there, so it's awesome. I definitely uh, encourage just everyone to pray and seek the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't think we can accurately say like we should or shouldn't do this unless we actually spend some quiet time with the Lord and ask. Let's all do it together and just see the work through declaration and um, you know, the impact for the generations that are coming up in this community. Amen. Thanks, Christian, for that. Yeah. Well, if I were to summarize our message this morning quickly, I would say this. Radical generosity is a part of our confession of the gospel. We're going to see it in the text. But radical generosity is a part of our confession of the gospel. Biblical generosity is a picture of our gospel conviction and our gospel confection. Or, uh, confession. Sorry, we, we give generously because of the generosity of the gospel and because of what the gospel has done in and to us. That's why in our, in our declaration that we say at the end of the, every service, because of what the gospel has done in and to us, we recognize that, man, Jesus has changed us completely. Amen? And so that's why, that's the why behind the what on that. The, the, the way we use or the, or the way we steward or give our time and especially our resources that are entrusted to us, the way we handle money, reveal two things. It reveals, um, number one, the devotion of our heart, and number two, the priority of our lives. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 6. We're going to go through verse 15 together. 
And as we begin, you're going to recognize verse 6 through 9 from when Julie Bullock was with us just a few weeks back. But let's review and read along with me, if you will. And obviously, as we begin, um, what Paul is saying is important. Remember, there's this issue of of these, um, these Jews in Jerusalem who are in deep need in these Macedonian churches. If you remember from just a couple weeks ago, these Macedonian churches, um, Paul is encouraging them to, to finish well that which they had committed to, to, to give generously, to meet these needs. And so he starts with this something, something that he thinks is very important because he starts the whole section right here in 6 with remember this, right? He says, a farmer, so he goes in this illustration here, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So then, is almost if it says so then, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Okay, so just in these two verses, I want you to see Paul is introducing a kingdom life concept here for us all. Basically, how citizens of the kingdom of God live, and it's deeply important. He begins with this encouragement, this reminder, he's something that he wants the audience that he's speaking to to consider as it relates to generosity. To summarize, remember, he says, what you sow, you will reap. Um, if you plant a little, you will yield a little. If you sow a few seeds, you'll get a small crop. But if you plant generously, if you plant faithfully, if you plant cheerfully, you will produce a generous crop. Paul is strongly encouraging a life of generosity here. He's challenging people to pause and to consider, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to speak at some felt needs or even some potential fear. I mean, you even heard Kristen talk about that. I talked about that the, the other night at Advanced Commitment. I just, Paul speaks towards this. He's trying to encourage their faith. He said, man, let faith rise up. He says, in this, you've got to decide in your heart, first and foremost, want to give. He's speaking of something premeditated here. He's saying, you must decide in advance. You must decide the measure of your generosity in your heart. This is such an important phrase, in your heart. It's as if he's saying, as you decide, first of all, consider the outcome. Go back to the farmer and the seed illustration. Consider the outcome. If the law of kingdom living deals in any way with considerate giving, then if yielding is directly proportionate to sowing, think ahead. Decide in your heart what it is you will give. So why does he say this? Why is he challenging this in this way? Because I believe this, because... He knows that giving reflects our desire and our devotion. That's why he's talking about in the heart. That's why he says you've got to decide in your heart how much it is that you will give. And then he says don't give reluctantly. Again, this is a premeditated thought process. Do not give reluctantly. Also, don't respond to pressure. God loves the person who gives cheerfully, willingly, decidedly, if you will. He's saying don't give reluctantly. Give faithfully. Give in faith, give through faith, give with faith, give with belief. Let your generosity be driven by your devotion. Let it be driven by your faith, your belief. And when you give, give generously from that place of gratitude. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. In everything, with everything, for everything. Thank you. Give out of this place of devotion. Not reluctance, not compulsion, devotion. Don't respond with reluctance. Don't react to pressure when it comes to giving. 
Give because you know it will be a blessing to you and your family when you willingly and cheerfully follow God and walk in obedience to God and live a thank you life to God and you worship God in this way, even, yes, through giving. He says, for God loves one who gives cheerfully. And he goes on saying to be encouraged as you give because look at verse eight, God, he's the one who's generously gonna provide everything that you need. I mean, truly you have nothing to worry about. There's no reason to fret. There's no reason to fear. God will provide. He says, then you will always have everything you need. And even he said, he talks to you having plenty left over to share with others. So God is the one who will take care of every need that we have. Again, no reason to fear. So when it comes to our generosity, it must be driven out of this devotion to God, this faith in God, believing he is our provider anyway. The Bible says he's going to take care of every need that we have and then some. He will take care. I mean, he will even make a way through our giving to give us plenty of leftovers so that we can still share with those who may have need. Paul's saying be encouraged because, listen, we cannot outgive God. If I just sum that up, we cannot outgive God. He loves us. He's taking care of us. Keep reading verse 9. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Now listen, I read a story this week about a beggar that was beside the road asking for alms. And one day, Alexander the Great passes by. Anybody knows much about Alexander the Great? So just kind of in your mind's eye, go to this place. There's a beggar on the side of the road. He's begging. Alexander the Great passes by. The beggar is poor. He's wretched. He has no claim at all whatsoever on this ruler, Alexander the Great. He has no right even to lift a solicitous hand. Even still, the emperor sees him and he has compassion and he throws several gold coins at this beggar. Now, one of Alexander's men is astonished at this generosity and he comments to Alexander the Great. He says, sir, um, copper coins would have adequately met the beggar's need. Why did you give him all that gold? And Alexander the Great responds in royal fashion. He says, sir, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Hmm. See, this illustrates Paul's concept for us. We are to give out of love and devotion, not compulsion, not even reaction. We're to give out of a premeditated way of life. We give from who we are. Think about that. We give from who we are. Let me just pause right here and take you to a free spot. Think about your children. You give from who you are in every way. Amen. Do you see that? This is the same concept. We give from who we are. We're to give from a place of faith, believing, yes, that God is our provider, not from a place of fear, afraid that if we give, we're going to go without. That's not the case. We have to decide in our heart what to give and be ready to give. When we sow little, we yield little. Biblical kingdom precept here. But when we're willing to sow generously, we yield generously. Paul goes on in verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. He's coming back to that illustration. And then bread to eat. He's saying, from seed to table, God is your provider. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. Look at this. And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So the devotion you have for God, he is going to produce this great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way for the purpose of this. So that you can always be generous. Now, some of you are here like going, man, did you make all this up? No, it's right there. It's right there. You're like, well, how convenient. Look what we're talking. No, no, it's right there. It is a kingdom concept. It's about kingdom life. 
So Paul says, we are enriched for the sake of generosity. That's the purpose for it. And look what happens when we give, according to Paul. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And he goes on. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. And Paul, notice what he calls that. He labels it a ministry of giving. He says, two, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And number two, they're going to joyfully express their thanks to God. So notice, there's two things that happen through our obedience and our generosity. We get to take part in making a difference in people's lives. We get to, we get to have part in kingdom eternal impact, right? People who, who God loves, we get to have a part of that. We, their needs will be met. And number two, those people then will overflow in their love and their gratitude to God. They will know that God has provided for them and their joy will be full. Paul goes on to say, as a result of your ministry, he says it again, they will give glory to God. I wonder how many of us really see generosity as our ministry rather than an obligation. Or even, even for some, an annoyance. I mean, even the fact of talking about this, some of us, man, we struggle. We struggle. Why? Well, some of us have been deeply hurt by the church. Full thro- I mean, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Some of us have been deeply hurt by the church in the past, so we're skeptical to get, we're just skeptical to give through the church. And I completely understand this. Trust me, I've got 20 years under my belt of, of walking wounded, even by the church, keeping everybody at arm's length, right? Um, living in a poverty orphan spirit mindset of, of I, I've got 20 years of this in my life. I myself had to learn giving was more about me and God, my role in the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God over anything else. I had to learn, basically, it wasn't even about my supporting a church necessarily. It was about my obedience to God and my devotion to God. See, like Paul says, our perspective on giving must be that it is our ministry, not our obligation. It's an opportunity to partner with God. Living a kingdom life for God and building the kingdom of God. Paul says, don't miss it. Verse 13, he says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. I want to read verse 13 from the NIV. ESV is very similar. It says this, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, See, language matters, and I hope that it, it, it opens your mind up differently to see it like this. Because of the, the service, the ministry, right, from which you have proved yourself, because of your ministry of generosity, which proves our devotion to God, which proves God's faithfulness on our behalf, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Now, I hope you see that statement because it's huge. Others will give glory to God for the obedience that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ. This is why I say biblical generosity is part of our confession of the gospel. Radical generosity is a picture of our gospel conviction and our gospel confession. Now, Paul ends by saying we're to thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. This passage is so, so rich and amazing. We're to thank God for this gift. This gift of generosity and the means by which we can be generous. This gift of faith 
and this gift of joy that comes from generosity. It's much too wonderful for words, Paul says. Now, I wonder how many of us truly view generosity as a gift. Do we view it as a ministry? Do we view it as a gift? This is the kingdom life perspective. This is the mind of the disciple. This is the heart of the follower of Jesus, living fully devoted to Jesus. We should thank God for our ability to be radically generous. We should, we should thank God for the privilege of biblical generous, uh, generosity. We should praise God for our desire to be cheerfully generous, right? I mean, radical generosity is part of our confession of the gospel. So with all that said, just a few things I want us to think about this morning as it relates to where we are as a church currently and as it relates to this setting the table, discipleship and generosity initiative. Because as we move toward um, Commitment Sunday, which is next Sunday, Palm Sunday, some of us may still have some questions. Some of us even still may be asking, okay, what is this all about? You know, what is this setting the table thing really? What, what are we doing? What, what are we doing in this? And what's the real motivation behind this setting the table initiative? And yes, listen, we've told you our primary goal is 100% of us engaging, participating. We've even laid out our secondary goal. It's all here in this workbook and it's in that vision summary on the setting the table booth out there. But, but what is the motivation driving this, this thing that we're, we're doing right now? And here's exactly what I want you to know. The motivation behind setting the table, the motivation behind all the talks about biblical generosity is not about money. The motivation is about mission. It's about mission. The motivation to speak so much about biblical generosity is not because we want something from you. It's because we want it for you. Listen, we have to know this. If we say that our heart beats for Jesus, then our heart must beat for the mission of Jesus. It has to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And radical generosity is a part of our confession of the gospel. Our giving reveals the devotion of our hearts and the priority of our lives. Here's something else we need to see all throughout the Bible. Our obedience in the area of generosity does three kingdom things. Number one, it makes eternal impact. It makes a huge difference. Number two, it glorifies God. And number three, it causes others to praise God. I could actually add four, five, six, and seven to that, but these are three that I really want us to understand and see. It glorifies God. Man, it causes others to come to know God. And also, man, it, it is a blessing. It makes eternal impact. We can, we can now engage in something transcendent, something that's gonna outlive us. We can be a part of seeing many, 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 many people step into the kingdom of God. Many people find restoration. Many people find healing. Many people find renewal. Do you, are you with me, church? Does that excite you at all? I mean, here's something else. I mean, j let me just reiterate. Generosity is a picture of our gospel conviction. I, I'm going I'm to move on for time. So just understand this. We cannot separate the two. We can't separate our gospel confession and biblical generosity unless we've made it all about us. We can't separate our gospel confession and biblical generosity unless it's all about me. We can't do it. And watch this. When we make it about us, it's not about him. It's not about him. If we make it about money, watch this. It's not about mission. So we know as disciples of Jesus, if we say with John 4, if we say we love him, then we obey his commands. Jesus is very clear about generosity. He's very clear about giving. He talks about it a lot. So therefore we talk about it. 
as disciples and followers of Jesus, we need to challenge ourselves in this area. We need to always be sensitive to how God is speaking and moving and what he's calling us. And if we're, if we're to set the table um, so to prepare the way for the Lord and so to prepare the way for, for all those that God loves, who, who we get the privilege to, to help them encounter and begin to follow Jesus, we must step out in faith. And, and obedience in this area of generosity. And here's what's cool too. Listen, God desires to use us in this way. He wants us to partner with him. He wants us to have this kind of eternal impact in his name for his glory by his power. We get to be the vessels, the conduits, um, as he calls us to this radical biblical generosity to set the table, so to build the kingdom of God. But I really hope you understand throughout these last few weeks, the heart of our church in this season, our motivation behind setting the table has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with mission, with mission. Now, why do I say that so emphatically? I could leave it there, but I wanna give you some reasons. I wanna, I wanna give you just a few stats, right? Best case scenario, worst case scenario. According to a research group called the Pine Tops Foundation in a published article sent to me called The Great American Opportunity, looking ahead to what the church looks like in the year 2050. Are you with me? These next 30 years will represent the largest missions opportunity in the history of not the world, but America. Okay, so everybody lean in for a minute. You ready? The best case scenario by 2050, if we keep doing the things we're doing, 35 million youth raised in Christian homes will disaffiliate from Christianity, which is over 1 million students a year. The overall Christian percentage of the population will drop to 59% from today's 73%, those who claim Christianity. The unaffiliated population will nearly double as a percentage of the U.S. population from 17% today to 30%. So it will grow to 30% in 2050, an increase of more than 50 million people. And that's the best case scenario. We keep operating business as usual. 30% of those who, statistic, 30% of those who claim to follow Jesus and have a fully devoted life to Jesus are the ones who are sowing into the kingdom of God. We keep doing the business as usual, creating our country club, cultured churches, you know, the, the, the consumer mindset church. Well, what's in it for me? Where's my Bible study? Where's my thing? What am I, what is the church going to do? We keep doing what we've been doing. Let me give you the worst case scenario. You ready? By the year 2050, 42 million youth raised in Christian homes will disaffiliate from Christianity, which is about 1.4 million per year. The overall Christian percentage of the population will drop to 54% from today's 73%. The unaffiliated population will more than double as a percentage of the U.S. population from 17% today to 35% in 2050, an increase of more than 70 million people. So this is what's at stake. This is why we're so passionate about missions. And if it offends you that we're talking about God's money, sorry, not sorry. This is what's at stake. I mean, this is why it's time for the church to get serious and to get busy. This is why it's time to unapologetically preach Jesus in love. This is why we're calling each other to this deeper level of devotion, this deeper level of conviction. This is why we challenge each other to be ministers on mission. This is why we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. This is why we're setting the table and even building a church because people need Jesus. We need Jesus, right? We all need the encouragement and the hope and the strength of Jesus. And we need each other. We need biblical community. 
In our ambiguous, anonymous, social media-driven world where we feel so connected, we've never been more disconnected. And we need Jesus. And the PS, those are just a few stats. We could really have an awesome, uplifting day if I keep going. <laughs> right? So what of the unreached people groups? We, we were just talking about America. What of the unreached people groups? What of the decline of the hope all around the world? What about our family? What about um, our neighbors and our friends? What about this city, this area, this region? What of those who still don't have um, a written word translated into their tongue, their native language? What about all of them too? Because that's all of the part of the things that we're also engaging so it's been said, if we re- listen, if we return to retention and evangelism like we saw just 20 years ago, it's been said, if we could go back to just the way we were operating, just the way we were functioning only 20 years ago, this is what's been said. More people will be saved than during both Great Awakenings, the African-American church growth after the Civil War, the Azusa revivals, and every Billy Graham conversion combined if we would just go back to the way we were operating whole heart, mind, and soul just 20 years ago. So when it comes to setting the table... With radical generosity, just as Julie Bullock said a couple of weeks ago, generosity doesn't just pay for the mission. Generosity actually is the mission. It is the mission. God uses generosity to express his grace. God uses generosity to inspire joy. God uses generosity for his glory. And God uses generosity to advance the gospel. And it's God who calls us to this obedient life of generosity. It's not the church. It's not me. It's not our elders. It's not a building. It's God himself. He's the one who calls us to this. And by the way, it's not even for such a time as this moment. It's a lifestyle. It's a kingdom concept. It's a kingdom way of living. He calls us to a life of generosity with our time, with the fullness of our heart, with all of our love. He calls us to a life of generosity in how we serve. Some of you need to start serving, man. Can I just say that in love? (laughs) Man, you, you're going to keep getting full and full and full and full. And, man, you're just getting to be a fat, happy Christian. It's time to start letting somebody out, man. Right? I mean, we got to start serving. He calls us to a life of generosity and serving. And also in the giving back of the resources that he so faithfully entrusts to us. It's an all of the above call to obedience. It's not choose the best one that fits you. It's all of the above. And this is what he's calling us to. See, radical generosity is an undivorceable part of our confession of the gospel. I read a story just on tithing weeks ago, and I said, man, that's strong. So I saved. I didn't know when I'd use it. And honestly, I didn't know if I'd use it today, but I'm going to use it today. But in that story, this is what it says. Just on tithing, not sacrificial giving, just how tithing could change the world. If, if every, you know, for those who profess to be a strong, born-again, very strong, devoted Christian in America, if they would just tithe, not get just tithe. Dr. Ron Sider estimates there would be an extra $46 billion a year just to do kingdom work. If this happened, just as an example, there would be 150,000 new indigenous missionaries sent. If this happened, 5 million more microloans could be given to poor entrepreneurs in developing countries all around the world. If this happened, the food, clothing, and shelter for all 6,500,000 current refugees in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East would be taken care of. And we could all, I mean, we could have all the money needed for a global campaign to prevent and treat malaria, if just that would happen. 
Do you see God's design? God's design was never more taxation for government to take care of things that, P.S., they ain't going to take care of anyway. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but how's that going for us? God's design was the kingdom of God would infiltrate the earth. And as God is creating a new heaven and a new earth, the people of God would be about redemption for the kingdom of God, even on this earth. That's what God's design is. So listen, we should give generously because our hearts desire to partner with a generous God. We should give generously because we believe that God has given generously to us first and foremost. We should give because God compels us and calls us to do so. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. And it's our joy. And it's our ministry. And it's a gift. Therefore, we give generously and we give cheerfully. Radical generosity is a part of our confession of the gospel. As we close... That is not the right time, but as we close, that's the right time. The book of Mark, chapter 12, we see this beautiful story. And in it, um, we see that true generosity is not determined by amount that we give, but really by our heart. This is what I've been trying to say for weeks. Powerful story. This is why Paul said, determine in your heart, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This is why Paul said, no one can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. This is why Paul said, um, or this is why Jesus challenged us, seek first the kingdom. It's not about the amount. Some of you have even said, Pastor John, why do you say don't worry about percentage? But because, listen, God's going to work out your amounts. I'm, it's, it's not for me to ask. It's the Lord. All we ask is you pray and just be obedient to God. But I want you to see the story in Mark 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. How would y'all like that if every week Jesus was sitting by the give boxes? Just a question. P.S. He's everywhere. <laughs> just so you know. All right. Um, <laughs> that was free, man. I just came to me. Um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus calls his disciples to him and says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. He says, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, listen, when Jesus saw the heart of this widow giving two mites, I mean, he says, this is the truth. As if to say, think what you will. But this woman right here, she gave more than all the others gave combined. Why would he say this? Why? I mean, some of us, if we're being honest, some of us are still trying to see through this thing and go, what, what's real here? Here it is. If I wasn't as serious about all this, I wouldn't tell you this story for sure. Why would he say this? Because her sacrificial gift demonstrated how devoted she was to God. It wasn't about, it wasn't about what she, it was what was behind it. Do you see it? It wasn't about the perfume, it was what was behind it. Her sacrificial gift demonstrated her, her love for God and, and, and the work of God. Our radical generosity is part of our confession of the gospel. So much more we could say today, but can we just stop there? And would you just pray with me? Would you close? Go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're going to ask the band to come up here. And
I want you to pray about next week. Next week is Palm Sunday. We are entering into the most exciting days to be a Jesus follower. Right now, we're in it. I mean, just go back to the days where Jesus was actually walking the earth and the time frame that we're in right now. I can think of no better time than Palm Sunday, next Sunday, for us to say, you know what, God, we're coming to make a commitment to you. So I want us to pray about it. I want us to pray just for, for all of us to be able to walk in this purity of heart. God, whatever it is that you are doing, we just want to say yes and amen. And I pray that would be the posture of our heart today. Holy Spirit, would you just move upon us? Bring us to that place of deep, deep gratitude. Bring us to that place of perspective that understands gift and the ministry of radical biblical generosity, the gospel confession that is partnered with our obedience and our heart of devotion and our priority of our lives. So God, would you just move on us? Maybe we're here today, Lord, and we don't really know you. We know church and, and we struggle with this, but God, I pray that right now, Jesus, I trust, Holy Spirit, I trust you that right now you can land on someone's life and just overwhelm them with your love in such a way that they know that you're real. Right now, in this moment, God, that you would land on someone's life, overwhelm them with the manifestation of your love. Show them the reality of who you are and how much you love them. So much so you would give your life so that they could have eternal and abundant life. Land on their life right now, whether they're in the room or whether they're online, God. Would you land on their life right now and show them your love? You see, here's the truth. If you don't really know Jesus, all this that we've been talking about might just be frustrating to you. I want to introduce you to Jesus today. Not church, not religion, a relationship with Jesus who loves you. So if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, but you want to right now, because the love of God is landing on you, man, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's doing it. Maybe for some, his kindness is bringing a level of conviction for your anger and your hurt. and He's ministering to you even now you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or maybe you just want to recommit your life to him right now would you just pray with me nothing magical about it we're just going to confess our need and our desire for him but pray with me even out loud or even in your heart however you feel comfortable and led but pray with me Jesus I need you in everything that's in the world I need you. I want you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for choosing me, for loving me, for seeing me, for knowing me, for forgiving me. I surrender to you, Jesus. Take my life, my heart, my all. Would you empty me of all of my yesterdays, all my pain, all my past, any shame, any guilt. And would you fill me right now in this moment 
would you fill me full of your Holy Spirit, I pray. Thank you for being such a generous God to me. Overwhelm me right now with gratitude and love for you. And may that pour out with a life of devotion, I pray. In your name, Jesus, I pray this. Now, with your eyes still closed and your head bowed, if you prayed that prayer to commit your life to Jesus or even recommit your life to Jesus, every other chair or so, there's a connect card. Please fill that out. Let us know the commitment that you've made today to the Lord. And take that. And There's four response tables, two in the front of the room, two in the back of the room. There's a gift box in the lobby. There's a welcome tent outside that you'll pass by. Put that in one of those boxes or take that to the tent. Hand it to those people. We want to reach out to you this week. We want to encourage you. The rest of us today, man, God is working. He is speaking. We are so excited about what he's doing. Listen, don't miss this moment. Press in. Lean in. And just so you know, to your right and to your left, there are response tables up front. There's, there's gift boxes. There's, there's material for set the table. There's communion supplies. And that's really what I want you to think about right now. There's two in the back as well. And in this moment of response, we want to invite you to go use those response stations. Grab that communion as a family. Bring some of your church family with you. Come to the table of the Lord together. It is the most beautiful thing that we can do together. It's a part of worship. And if you need prayer this morning, the altar, these steps up here, altars are or where sacrifices are made. If you just want to come and get along with the Lord, the altar is open. You can come and kneel. Someone will pray for you. If you need someone to pray with you, there's a silver wall to your right over there. Um, there's going to be prayer partners and elder families waiting to receive you over there. But let's just take a few moments to allow the Lord to just marinate our hearts with the word. May that seed be planted in fertile soil of our hearts. Let's respond to him for just a moment before we go. As the band leads us, you are free to move. Response stations, altar, prayer wall. You move as the Lord leads you. But let's worship and let's respond for just a minute. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next steps in your faith whether that be giving your life to Christ for the very first time, or maybe you just need prayer and would like to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to the online connect card. If you feel led, there's also a link where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless and have a wonderful week.